Welcome back to SpinCast, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Keegan, or Keegabyte on the internet. I am joined today by Keglinek, a community first-person shooter and Brawlhalla caster and a good friend of mine from a, from a while back when I was first starting out casting. How are you doing today, my good man? I am doing quite well, Keeg. I'm very excited to be here today. This is my first time ever on a podcast, and I think it's a little overdue to be done, so I am amped for whatever's about to happen. Well, it is fantastic to have you on here, my good man. So we're going to start out a little bit. Tell us a little bit about how you got into esports and how you got especially into the production and casting side of esports. Oh, man. So it's a giant long story, Keek. So I hope you guys are in for a ride. My start, I would say, for esports in general was pretty much, you know, my eighth grade of, you know, middle school. This is 2011, I think. I would come home from school. Black Ops 2 just came out. I would sit there with my little tiny styrofoam cup of ramen with a fork, just watching Optic versus FaZe, I think, mm. on Black Ops 2. And I didn't know anything about the player names or anything. I just thought it was cool to watch gameplay that wasn't my own. Uh, but my real start, I guess, would be 2015. I had Loot Crate at the time, which I think kind of dates me a little bit. Um, for those that don't know, Loot Crate was that subscription service where you'd get, like, random stuff. That was vaguely video game related. And I liked it until I realized you can get most of it at Target, which kind of killed it for me. Mm -hmm. But what's important about that is that I think it was the only time ever Loot Crate had a video game code inside of it. And it was a skin code for this little game on Steam I had never heard of before called Brawlhalla. And so I was like, oh, I like Smash. I like exclusive stuff. So I'll just try it out. I didn't understand how to play it. I didn't like the game. And fast forward about, I want to say like a, maybe that December. So like December 2015, all my friends and I are playing it now. The full release just came out on Steam. We're playing it nonstop. And really only my friend Kyle and I kept playing on for quite a, like almost unhealthy amount of time. So we're going to fast forward to around August of 2016. I'm entering my senior year of high school. and. This kid I know on Steam hits me up and he's like, hey, do you want to be in my tournament? And I go, no, because I'm trash at this game. But at around this time, I realized I have a above averagely nice voice, I guess. A, a really nice voice. And so I'm like, I'll just cast for you, you know. And this is 2016, so I'm pretty sure the VODs are completely gone. But I remember how panicked and scared I was to start this. And how I also, at the same time, didn't care. Um, the, the casting was bad. It was awful. I would compare it to an episode of Ellen. So I would be reading the chat on the side. I didn't really know any of the player names or the terms of the game or anything like that. I just made up my own terms as I went along. And then I would read the chat as I was casting. So it would be like, blah, blah, blah. And Kigabyte47 says, with that exact voice, and I think that's one of the things that keeps me up most at night, thinking about like those cringe moments. And there's a lot of those, don't you worry, but it's, that one stands that. out a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and um, from there, I didn't really just, I never really stopped casting, I guess, maybe until like college. But I just kept meeting more and more people and getting somewhat better gigs. And eventually I did fly out. I, did, I didn't get paid to fly out, but I flew out to uh, the 2017 World Championship for Brawlhalla, and I commentated their side stream, which was cool. I mean, it wasn't the main stage, but I got interviewed on the main stage. But 
that's pretty much the start of the story. I mean, I can keep going if you want me to. I'm not sure if that's just you want the beginning or you. You can tell uh, about however much you want to, my friend, because quite frankly, we want to hear again everything that gets someone involved in esports on the production side from oh. someone who like use perspective, uh, and and I mean that's why we're here, right? To yeah. to make sure that that our entire audience knows that. Um, like production and casting, it can come from anywhere. It can evolve into a career or you can take it however far you want it to go. Yeah, I mean, the cool thing about production is that you can really do as much as you want with it. I mean, with esports and entertainment, if you want to go that route where you're kind of known, a lot of people don't really want to admit it, but clout chasing is very important. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, you have to know people. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten gigs or opportunities just because I met and talked to the right person. And so I think a bigger thing about this, especially for, you know, the audience this podcast is for, you know, for that younger middle school or high school audience, the big thing I want you to take away, not just, you know, that I'm sort of a sort of an esports personality or that Kigabyte might be or that we're doing this. It's really that you just should be a good person. Because if you're a good and nice person and especially if you're willing to receive and improve off of feedback from other people, you're easily going to make your way to the top no matter what, because that's the biggest hurdle people have. And it's a big hurdle I have too. But I mean, from Brawlhalla, I, that pretty much carried me to the beginning of college. And I, I started getting burned out of the game at a certain point because I felt like I was kind of stagnating in casting. And around this time I was streaming too, which as a freshman in college, I'll be honest with you, I completely regret streaming in college. I really should have waited till I was done with college. And I'm still not done. But um, around that time, I was getting burned out. I wanted to do something. It, it was one of those feelings where I knew something was right around the corner, but I just had to find what it was. And I had no idea what it was. So I started playing this game that I played a little bit when it first came out called Rainbow Six Siege. And I loved it. I loved how you could destroy the environment. I loved how it was a giant chess game. Brawlhalla is a great game. There's a lot of mechanical skill, but there's not a lot of thinking involved with the game. There is, but not on Siege's level. Siege has a great way of combining the two together. And I love it. I still love it. And that was a lot more harder to get into because it was a more mainstream game. Um, getting into casting for that, for me, at least me, was extremely rough. And to be honest with you, I casted a little bit in 2018, and then I took a break for all of 2019 from casting, streaming, all of it, to just be a college kid, you know, party, be with girls, be with friends. Um, and that, only recently have I really started getting back into it. But luckily, those connections you usually make never really go away. And so I found myself back in the observing position for uh, the Challenger League for Rainbow Six, which for those unfamiliar with, is pretty much the step below the professional league where players play at lands or big giant events that you see with hundreds of thousands of viewers. So it was a little frustrating at times because we were a brand new crew. We were all trying to figure each other out. I had never observed before. I kind of overdid my resume a bit, but I figured it out pretty quick because I'm a film student. And here I am now pretty much on that edge again, hopefully going to the pro league at some point soon for uh, both those games. And you can pretty much include Valorant in there as well. I mean, it's brand new. It came out two weeks ago. There's not a whole lot for me to say with that. Yeah. And, and, um, 
unfortunately something you you talked about is a little bit true you do have to do kind of that clout chasing thing uh to become a successful caster or even esports production personality um in this scene now that's not necessarily a bad thing it no, does no, no, it no. does it does get you out there and and talking uh more, more socially to people it's one of those things that, that makes it so that we don't just sit in our house all day hunched over our computer speaking into our microphones which was uh, me you know for a while I mean? yeah i mean that, that was me for a while too um but it's that is actually it can be both a both a positive and, and negative thing in that the best people might not necessarily like like the best people at casting or production just 100 that might not necessarily get into high positions but the most well-rounded people will and that's something that really needs to be focused on when you're trying to get into that um production sphere is that um you want to be a well-rounded person. So do you have any other like advice that you, that you would give to someone like a student in like middle high or, or college uh, getting into production? What other advice would you give them? Oh, I have so much advice for you guys. Um, I mean, I was in the same boat as you, you know, high school where I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And to be honest with you, I still don't really know. And for me, at least it wasn't that I was limited by what I could do. It's that even right now, there's a lot I want to do, but you got to keep in mind if you want to go for professional esports, I believe statistically, I don't have the statistics on hand, but I believe you have a better shot of getting into the NFL yeah. than you do than becoming a professional gamer. And honestly, like it's a great career option. There's a lot of money to be made. And this is the wild west of esports still right now. You could make billions at some point someday. But you got to keep in mind that you need to have a backup plan mm -hmm. because anything liberal arts, which is what I go to school for and, you know, esports and stuff, there's no security. There's literally no security in what you do other than those names that you know and that clout you have. So, I mean, if you want to go to school and become an engineer and play Rainbow Six or Valorant on the side, that's literally the best option you have. If you're going to stay at home and think you're going to make it big as a streamer playing, you know, CSGO with three viewers, I would seriously consider at least getting a job and trying to balance it. And it's a great opportunity for you too to also figure out how to get a great time management schedule. That's the most important thing. And that's what I struggle with right now. You know, it's so hard to not be able to have a proper sleep schedule. Make sure you eat right too. There was a video that came out today actually from the Score Esports about the, um, the League of Legends player Uzi who had recently left. And him and his team were talking about how messed up and damaged their arms and wrists are from their excessive playing. They're like, yeah, we have the arms of 50-year-olds and we're like 25. Now, parents, if you're watching this, I'm not trying to dissuade your kids away from not doing esports. The opposite. But, I mean, no matter what you do, even if it's not esports, take care of yourself, man. There's no reason not to. Taking away from your precious game time but it's also going to help you from not getting burned out as well. And that's another thing you need to be patient about. Um, so my last piece of advice really uh, before, like, I guess the next question would be don't be afraid of setbacks because I, um, I'm actually not sure if I'm supposed to be talking about this, but we can keep it in if you want to. Um, we, mm, so I am an observer for Rambo six. I'm trying to think of a good way to word this. And there have been setbacks that have happened recently. And just because you do have that clout doesn't mean you're also guaranteed 
higher up positions. And that's perfectly fine because you hopefully like myself right now have those backups. And with that being said, it's never too late to just wait out time a little bit too. In esports, time is relatively on your side when it comes to production because you're not going to forget how to do Mm -hmm. producing. You're not going to forget how to be an observer and you're not going to forget how to cast. So if you want to go to production, it's definitely a lot safer of a way to get into the esports industry and meet people and become, you know, if you want to, famous while still having somewhat security because that's not going to go away. With playing, it can. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot easier. Well, first of all, the job security is a lot better on the production side, oh, like yeah. you said. Um, it, because again, you do have kind of those fallbacks. You can do your own thing for a while or let time run out, like you said. But um, setbacks are an important part of the process. I, I, I mean, this is, this is your show here, but at the same time, I've had setbacks um, like, like you. You, know? it, you hit those brick walls eventually and then you kind of adjust fire, move into something else and you find a, another niche that you can put yourself in and eventually you kind of work your way up the ladder like that. Um, but it's, it's just keep going. You know what I mean? Just, you just got to keep moving through those walls, break through them, get around them somehow. And you'll, you'll eventually find success. Yeah. But the worst thing you can you're do not, is stop. You're not, yeah. You're not guaranteed success right up front. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that, that you just really have to kind of, um, expect to see some, some no returns for a while. And then oh, eventually, yeah. eventually it'll all pay off. So we're going to shift focus a, a little bit here to like the more technical side of production. Oh, you sweet. being an observer and a caster, you have a lot of experience in, in production in general. So what, from your perspective, makes or breaks uh, a good production on an esports event? Oh, okay. So in Rainbow Six specifically right now, and this can go for any game, um, you really need to be able to have that time management again because I have seen some casts where... I'll be hit up at least once a week, even during my like year-long hiatus last year, where they'll be like, hey, we're casting in 30 minutes. Can you come on and help <laughs> us? And I'll be like, no, no, I'm not doing that. And I have, I have taken those opportunities a few times, depending on who they are. But generally, you need to be able to have a show plan where you know exactly what you want to do. And depending on how complex it is, like if you have ads and sponsors and stuff, label out where you want it to be Make sure your casters know what they're doing. Make sure the producer's not hot mic'd. So as in, you, the producer can talk to the casters, but but the cat, but yeah, they the can't be heard can't on, on stream. The stream. Yeah, and I, I've seen that go wrong horribly a few times. Um, there, there's one instance where I, I don't remember the league. Um, I believe it was for Valorant, where uh, the the casters were talking to the producer on stream. And it's such a one-sided conversation, but it was such a, it was such a dicey conversation too. It was a conversation you really shouldn't have. It, it was like, they're friends. So, you know, if, if you're close enough friends, you can kind of poke around about like race and ethnicity on each other. Mm-hmm. But when you're doing that live on a stream and you don't hear the other end of a conversation, that gets even dicier. And just don't know. It's unprofessional <laughs> and it just looks really stupid. Yeah. It- so, it comes off very, very poorly. Yeah, and I know that went on beyond Valorant to a lot of other people seeing that as well, and it's not a good look. But when that does happen, I mean, you got to roll with the punches too. You're going to mess up when you're casting. You're going to mess up in hot mic sometimes as a producer. 
I mean, it happens. Just be a good person and don't say stupid stuff all the time. And people will respect you even when you mess up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and then and there's like from, from like the technical side of things where it's like you can instantly tell if the broadcaster is highly inexperienced at broadcasting. It, it, it's not hard to check. I, I have a story about that, too. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I, w- I was an inexperienced caster so many times. Um, <laughs> so I started casting when I guess I was relatively on the younger side. I prided myself for a long time being that youngest caster in, uh, in Brawlhalla. But uh, I don't think that's the case anymore, especially not so for Siege. But um, I remember my first time ever casting for Siege. And my, my best friend... Uh, creator who will not let me let go of this uh this event um yeah i just got back from the beach that day and i was trying out for some siege league i don't remember but he was my observer i was the solo caster the game was being screen shared on discord which by the way if you can get away from that perfectly fine that elevates your professionalism in a production so much Mm -hmm. and i realized when that camera turned on i was like I don't know what I'm talking about. And I don't remember specifically anything I said, but afterwards, the producer for that event, who I don't know if he wants to be named, but I, I have so much respect for him now. We're, we're, we're really tight now, but he was like, I, I think we need to talk about your performance. Uh, if it continues to be like this, we're not going to have you on this league. And it was the first time anyone has ever said that about my casting. And I was like, I was pretty much oh. ready to cry because <laughs> I, I was not prepared for that. I thought I did decently well for a practice run and stuff. And he he just went off about like he, he went on beyond the production stuff too, like my personality. And it was a lot of stuff that at the time was really insulting to me. Mm-hmm. Looking back now, because I'll be honest with you, I think about that almost every night still. And I'm like, he was right about everything he said about me. And that helped me completely change as a person, I think, over that year hiatus that I really needed. And I feel like I became a much better commentator, more professional, and overall just a better person because of that producer. And I, I've, I've learned so much from him since then. And sometimes a little kick in the butt like that is just what you needed. And I wish I'd realized that a lot earlier. And that producer, I'm sorry, that observer, who is now um, the best producer, I think, in North America for Siege, he really showed me, like, he, he won't let me let it go. He's like, yeah, I really hated your casting back then. And I go, yeah, I did too. I did too. And again, that kind of flows into criticism. No one ever gave me criticism until I had to reach out and be like, I need you to critique this. I need to know what I did wrong. And yeah. that's me now. Personally, I feel like that like, like criticism in, in the casting and production space is a little bit... Um, underwhelming like like non-existence people aren't really willing to give you like criticism on your casting unless they're already in a position of like having done it for a while like i'll find myself giving criticism to other casters who are a little bit more fresh to the scene uh like like um biggest things are like rinse and repeat stuff like that yeah Um, like like the common mistakes but that's the problem though is it's like those common mistakes don't get touched on because i feel as though you know the the space is so fresh. There's such a call for casters right now in so many different aspects that, um, you know, we're, we're really hesitant to kind of push people out by being a little bit too, too forceful of, on it. So, but being able to take that, that, that criticism is something that's key to being in this profession. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, with that being said, too, you know, you know, if you really know what to look for in a good or bad caster, watch any pro league um, bod from any game, and you'll notice those common mistakes a lot of lower casters make, even in the professional level. And with that being said, you know, I think in Brawlhalla mostly all the entire time I casted, people would just say, "You did a good job, Keg." And that's all I wanted. That's all I, the validation I needed. But when I got back for Siege, I was like, okay, but what specifically did I do wrong? What do you think I could do to be better? And I started going to like the really pro casters for Siege, Brawlhalla, any FGC game, anything like that, and be like, hey, what can I do to do better? And I've learned so much from them because it goes beyond just game knowledge. You need to be able to have a certain cadence to go with things, have the right tone for right moments, be able to bring life to something that anyone else can see, but make it partly your own and your co-casters as well. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's another thing, you know, it's, it's about making a moment your own and not like what everyone can see. It's one thing to, to, to like tell them what exactly what they're seeing on screen, like an FPS. Oh, we shot that guy. Oh, or second arc league. Oh, pass the center. And it's like, generally those are what you'll do to like, to like fill in spaces where you don't have anything to talk about, but the really elite casters can make those moments something that is just more than filler. And that's the idea in, in the end is, is to have no filler in your stream and you talk about everything in a meaningful way. Yeah. And I, I never really thought of a word for it until recently when someone just said it and I was like, oh, that's what I have to do. Storytelling. You mm -hmm. have to turn the cast into a story. And with, you know, games like Valor right now, that's really hard because you don't have a storyline to build off of. But you also, you're the foundation right now. You can go to CSGO and you can read years of history for a lot of teams and build off of that into an amazing performance. But if you have two collegiate teams for Valorant, you don't really know anything about them. It's yeah. hard to build off of it except for the games that you've seen. But if you keep doing it, if you keep going forward, if you keep building off of that, you can hearken back to those days. You can go to other teams. You can compare it to other games and be like, this is why it's important. This is how you do esports. This is how you commentate. Mm -hmm. It's like the people involved in, in the industry now are the ones who are building those blocks for production and for the esports industry as a whole that everyone will build off of for the future. So it, it, it's those who are involved now. Great time to get into production and casting oh, if you're yeah. not. It, if you're not, by the way, this is the perfect time. There are futures in it now more than there ever have been. And we are at the same time, more than just futures, we are building a whole new industry on the backs of our work. So I kind of want to move in that direction now. Where do you see this industry going in the next, let's just say five years? Oh, with the esports industry, I think there's only one way to go and it's up. Um, now, in terms of how to get into it five years from now, that's a completely different story. I have no idea what the production's going to look like then. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you asked me last year, I wouldn't say there would be a pandemic going on where like in right. Smash, let's say the Smash World Tour got canceled. All in-game events and lands for pretty much every game got canceled. That hurts a lot for pretty much every game. So it's a matter of being able to adjust around the clock. If you can move and you can travel, that's perfect. But obviously, 90% of people can't, so it, it's hard. Um, but without COVID aside or anything, five years from now, 
it's hard. I don't really think production is going to change too much. I think the whole atmosphere the East, from esports is going to change. We're definitely going to see a lot more standardization when it comes to, you know, production companies. You know, CCS is a league right now for Rainbow Six, but I know they're thinking about turning into a production company too to outsource people like myself mm -hmm. for other games. But even with then, I know, and I guess this is a bit of a plug right now, um, CCS's business partner, Ty Tangles, he owns an esports casting agency. So he can be like your agent if you're a player or a caster or an observer. That's a per that we're going to see a lot more of those. And if mm -hmm. you have that on your side now, you're already way ahead of the game. So with that being said, I think it's going to pretty much turn into what we see now with sports production where there's going to be like contractors, ESPN's going to have their own little thing. And it's mostly just going to be independent third-party companies helping do events, I think. Right. And that's, that's kind of where I see it coming uh, or going to as well. Uh, it, more of the like, kind of evolving into a sport into more of emulating the sports space that we have now at the same time i kind of hope it doesn't uh because at the same time you know we want to do some things that are different in the esports industry we don't want to necessarily follow in the footsteps of of sports um of the mainstream sports industry because let's face it they're not doing so well right now not just because of covid but because of everything all their practices involved uh production as well as culturally on the side as well so I think there are different things that, that we could do as an esports industry to um, to really uh, make it so that we don't follow in those footsteps. And some of them are more technology-based. Some of them are just uh, the facts of the space that we uh, currently operate in, which is the digital space. And that's not something that you can do with, with like football, basketball, soccer, any traditional sport. No, you're totally right. The thing is, though, with... Um really high-end even esports production it's all ran out of pretty much the same studios you see for football and stuff mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's really difficult to say you know we do have that digital space which makes things a lot easier in terms of planning but with the digital space too i would say there's just as many potential faults of error when it comes to it i mean i can't tell you how many times we've had you know technical issues in siege like in game itself um glitches all that stuff you don't really get glitches too much in you know the nfl or at least i hope not but well i mean i would, I would hope not right <laughs> yeah Ball I mean, all of a sudden moves three yards down the field touchdown or you know like one of your players arms <laughs> like go into the floor or something like that or sound bugs but oh, i mean <laughs> I, I think i think they're going to become really similar to each other it's just that for younger people like the people watching this or listening to this I think it's going to be a lot easier for people to use esports at least as a stepping stone to get into, you know, actual sports production if they want to. That's the great thing about esports. You're able to get in frankly pretty easy, almost at times too easy from some of the people I've seen, but it gives people a great opportunity for both personal and professional growth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's about all the time that we have for this interview today though. Okay, guy, one more question for you. What's your favorite game? Of all time. Oh, that's hard. Um, can I give like a three-way tie? Sure. Um, Minecraft, Metal Gear Solid 3, Ooh. and probably Melee. Super Smash okay. Brothers Melee. Okay. That's, that's a fair <laughs> tie. So, Keg, we're about to head out, but first tell us where we can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So, I used to stream. I'll probably start doing that again at twitch.tv slash keglinek. 
Um, it's all going to be the same credentials, by the way. Uh, I do YouTube videos. I do esports documentaries at youtube.com slash keglinek. And last but not least, where I'm trying to build up my clout the most right now, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's uh, twitter.com slash keglinek, K-E-G-L-U-N-N-E-Q. I'd love to see you guys there. Thank you so much, Keglinek. And thank you all very much for coming out and watching SpinCast today. Just remember, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay plugged in.